Well, ladies and gentlemen, once again, I'm in the shed. <laughs> it's nearly midnight uh, on a week where, frankly, I don't know quite what's going on with our political leadership. It appears that most of our prime minister's friends and his enemies and quite a few people who probably don't know him have simply resigned in protest against, well, him being the prime minister. It's been a fascinating day. If you uh, are interested in politics and the things that go on that actually make a difference to each and every one of our lives, uh, though I suspect uh, this stage in the day I've spent more time with my head in my hands than I have either enlightened or entertained. Uh, so I have to admit, uh, I have sat down a few times to record a new episode of the podcast, but we really have just had one of our busiest ever months. Frankly, I didn't see it coming. And I'm shattered. I don't know if you remember an episode at the beginning of 2020 when uh, 2019 nearly broke me. <laughs> I don't know if I think I think I protested that I may have lost my mojo. Uh, I, I just I'd got to the end of 2019. We'd done more shoots, more clients, more images, more revenue uh, than we had in any other year, and. I, I frankly, when I got to the start of 2020, I made the decision that we couldn't do that again. We had to slow things down. Now, a little, <laughs> little did I know that 2020 uh, would kind of take that care of that for me. Anyway, 2022, this year, is proving to be even bigger than 2019. Uh, again, more shoots, more meetings, more retouching, uh, and you name it, we're doing more of it. Um, and the way that inflation, monetary inflation, has been just at the minute, well, we haven't really felt, up to this point anyway, like we could turn work away. However, finally, uh, finally things are beginning to ease up a little because, well, they have to. We can't keep running at this rate because although I'm on top of all of our client work because that's always the priority, I never get a chance to sit and do one of the two things or one or two of the things that I really enjoy, not least of which is this podcast. So we have slowed things down. We're pushing new new clients, new jobs out for a couple of months uh, for those people who uh, don't mind waiting. And to be honest, even for those who <laughs> do mind waiting, I'm still pushing them out for a couple of months because I really, really, really need to get on top of all aspects of my life. Uh, work, the podcasts, the websites, Mastering Portrait Photography, and yeah, I really could do with spending a little bit more time on an exercise bike. I'm Paul, and this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. Well, how are you all? I hope you're all well. I genuinely, I really do hope you're all well. One of the lovely things at the moment is that as we've been working or running the workshops here at the studios, I've become, I've begun to meet more and more of the people who listen to the podcast. And uh, so far, I mean, I haven't met hundreds, uh, but so far, everybody I've met is just really, really lovely. And of course, what a lovely thing that I stand here or I sit here and I record this podcast and through that I get to meet some incredibly talented, incredibly friendly, funny, interesting and engaging people from all over uh, the world. 
Uh, right now, uh, I hope, like I said, that things are well with you. Here in the UK, things are a little bit interesting. Yep, the Prime Minister may or may not be the Prime Minister in the morning. Who knows? He's hanging on in there in a very Trumpeskian. Is that a word? Trumpian, Trumpeskian, Trumpian, Trumpeskian. I don't know. Anyway, he appears to be using Trump's model of absolute denial uh, as his uh, modus operandi, which is, I guess, fair enough. Uh, (laughs) Everywhere I look, it appears that uh, he is living in a fantasy land, our fair prime minister. But, you know, who knows? Who knows? And I try very hard to stay as much as I can out of politics. But of course, politics affects all of us. So although I stay out of it, I do keep my eye on it. Uh, Weather has been lovely here this week in the UK, though the shed is rattling just a little bit. Uh, It has been a bit windy this evening. I don't know why. Maybe a storm is brewing. Uh, But it's really warm. I'm stood here in jeans and a T-shirt at midnight, which for those of you who live in the UK know that that isn't something you can do for more than a handful of weeks in the entire year. Uh, This week, this week is work placement week where our studio has four young students uh, in residence uh, for a few days coming to see and experience the life of a working photographer. Uh, It counts towards their uh, sort of, well, I assume it counts towards some kind of scoring or tick box (laughs) that schools have. I'll be honest, I'm not entirely certain, Uh, but it's a lot of fun to have them around. I'm not entirely sure uh, that what we show them is exactly what it's like to run a photography business because I think every photography business business is pretty unique and ours probably more so than most. Um, But it's a a real joy to hear the laughter rippling through the studio. And it always reminds me, every year we do this, not only does it give an opportunity for some kids to do something a little bit different and show that there are ways of earning a living that don't involve necessarily sitting at a desk five days a week, nine to five. Uh, But it also reminds me just how lucky I am, how lucky we are as professional photographers to do this as our line of work. It's one of those weeks where we stopped doing it for a while and I really missed it because although it's a distraction for me, we set aside time, we spend time with all of the guys, I missed the energy that that gives us too. This week, there's a handful of dates during the year where they act as an energizer for me. And I tell you what, this year, I need it more than ever. So hearing the guys laughing and japing around and creating pictures and playing with lights and playing with different compositions and different ideas, well, it's really, really, really cool. Uh, tomorrow I'm dragging them out for I've got a shoot at the Hearing Dogs which is of course a gig I've spoken about many many times Uh, we're photographing a a dog and uh, the partnership so the recipient the deaf recipient and their assistance dog uh, dragging the kids along and I've overheard them today and they are probably more excited (laughs) about going to see the Hearing Dogs than they are about any other aspect of the week and I think that's kind of Kind of, I don't think it's an insult. I think it's great. And it's happened every year we've run the work placement is that the high point always, always comes back to when we get a chance to go over to the hearing dog. So it's going to be a lovely day. Um, and I'm really enjoying having the guys around. Uh, on top of that, what has been going on over the past few weeks? Uh, well, there have been more shoots than I get to mention. Hence, well, I haven't done a podcast for a while because always, and this is true of any business, the priority is your clients, always a client. And while Mastering Portrait Photography, the podcast and the website are really dear to me, 
and I will continue to get them to grow is in the end of the day, the people that turn up and say, I need some pictures from you. Well, they're the client. And right now that's our business model. So we've always, always prioritized those. And I think that's probably right. Business first, everything else second. Uh, you could argue that what I do here with a, with a microphone and recording kit is business to an extent. But the reality is I'm a working portrait photographer. Uh, and so those clients have taken priority and it really has been busy. Lots and lots of lovely portrait shoots, some beautiful families. We've had nice weather. So some gorgeous kids just been, well, an absolute ball. A couple of weddings. <laughs> the shame of it was that we've had uh, now in Britain, you get used to this in Britain. I don't know whether it's the same uh, around the world where uh, lots of uh, you guys listen from. In Britain, if we get more than a couple of days over about 22, 23 degrees centigrade, oh my God, we call that a heat wave. Did we have a heat wave? Yes, we had a heat wave. It's hotter than Greece. There's always a headline in the newspapers that say it's hotter than Greece. <laughs> of course, of course. Why wouldn't it be hotter than Greece? It might be hotter than Greece on one day in the year. It, on average, it really isn't hotter than Greece. But that'll be the headline. Something about sweltering, something about sweating, something about scorching, something about hotter than Athens. Bound to be. Or Madrid. Or name any other hot place. And we'd had a sort of a week of those kinds of temperatures culminating on the Friday in it being about 28 degrees. Wake up on the Saturday morning to go and photograph a wedding, about 12. And it stayed <laughs> about 12 and it rained and it blew a gale. And I had to feel sorry. I had two weddings. I had a wedding to shoot on the Saturday, a wedding to shoot on the Sunday. We'd had a week of this gorgeous, hot, steamy weather. Saturday, cold rain and horizontal rain at that Sunday, uh, cool. It, was, it didn't rain until the evening, uh, a big thunderstorm. So we did manage to get through it. Uh, one thing that did upset me a little bit. Now I've I've a I've have a complicated relationship with weddings and wedding suppliers. Forgive me if you're listening to this and you're a wedding supplier and it doesn't you don't necessarily agree with me. Feel free to email me and tell me your views. It's Paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. Uh, but I needed a space to photograph the group shots for the wedding. Outside was freezing cold. It was horizontal rain. And there was no way I could get the elderly relatives out into it comfortably. We were, the plan was to go and photograph outside the venue we were working in. But the weather kiboshed it. So I, at the end of the ceremony, I spoke to the event coordinator from the, from the venue and said, listen, if you've got a space indoors, that can at least do the bigger group shots. She said, yes, what we'll do is very quickly turn over the ceremony room because they change it into a dance floor. We'll turn over the ceremony room very fast for you so that it's empty. You keep it for half an hour, do what you need to do, and then a DJ can rig his kit. So I told the client this, my bride and groom, went back in to the, into the ceremony room just as they were start, just they were completing turning it over, and the DJ was in there with a big set of rig. And I said to him, listen, we just need 20 minutes or so so I can get the uh, photographs of the groups, to which he told me in no uncertain terms where I could stick that idea. He was going to rig his kit. He was rigging his kit now. He couldn't be bothered with any of that. I'm not taking the time out. I've got to have this done. You can go find somewhere else. Well, there was nowhere else. There was nowhere else. So 
my point is, I think, or my belief is that if you shoot weddings, you have to love weddings. You have to respect your client. You have to respect the job it is that we do, which is to help wedding couples have a great day. And we document it for them. And it's fantastic. And it's exciting. And it's lovely. And it's romantic. And it's all of these words. And if you have an attitude which basically said, you, I don't think you should be servicing weddings. In the end, I had to drag the poor people out into the cold. I managed to find uh, space under an atrium uh, that was suitably dry, at least, if not warm. Uh, and of course, we got the images because, you know, at the end of the day, if I've got light and I've got people, I'm a portrait photographer. I can create pictures. It's not a big problem. It's just that it was more uncomfortable for my client than it should have been. And I don't think that's forgivable. Not in this industry and not in this day and age. Uh, anyway, back down off my soapbox. <laughs> Honestly, I think there should be a law that says you should sign up for it. You should sign something that says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work in the wedding industry. And then you have to sign something that says, I really like it. I really like clients. I really like people. I'm going to do my best to make their job, to make their day beautiful. You should sign a contract or a waiver. Uh, anyway, uh, this week has also marked the beginning of one of my annual favourites, which is the Royal Institution Christmas Lectures. Now, it's July. <laughs> it's July. I photographed it on July the 4th. Oh, 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 it was July the 4th uh, when I photographed uh, for the Christmas Lectures. I'm so sorry. All of my American friends, happy Independence Day. Forgot to say it. I'm so sorry. July the 4th. Of course, a bit weird that I'm shooting for the Christmas Lectures. Uh, but during uh, the summer, we create all of the PR publicity material that's going to be used to promote the lectures that we will photograph and film uh, in the back end of December. And I had a blast. This is, I think, my favourite job of the year. Now, this year actually has been a bit different and I've been able to work with uh, a few different academic institutions creating portraits and headshots and really interesting PR material for uh, science research. I love working with really clever people and that's probably why I love working with the Royal Institution so much. I cannot tell you what the title of the lectures are this year. I cannot tell you who the lecturer is this year because both of these things are really tightly under embargo. What I can tell you is it's going to be phenomenal. The person I met was absolutely brilliant. Um, they walked in, <laughs> they looked me in the eye and told me quite how much they hated being photographed. Uh, but they left at the end of the session, flinging their arms around me, a big hug, and off they went. So uh, all in all, a very successful shoot. Cannot wait to show you the pictures. Cannot wait to be there uh, recording the lecture because I think the person that the Royal Institution have chosen, he or she, is going to be absolutely incredible. Uh, the connection they'll generate with the kids, the stories they're going to tell, uh, the lectures will be phenomenal. So uh, look out for that much, much later in the year, probably, probably, probably in January, I would think, uh, by the time I actually get to, pro to push out uh, any uh, pictures. Also, a very big hello to anyone or everyone, rather, who has come on the photography workshops that we've been running this year. Uh, I have to say, I'm having an absolute ball. I use that phrase. I just thought about that. I use that phrase. Oh, an absolute ball. I don't even know where I picked those words up. Uh, I'm having a ball photographing, uh, rather running these workshops. Uh, the last one being uh, using available lights for portraits. What an absolute gift to be able to go out for a day 
uh, mess around with available light, creating stunning images because you don't need, you really don't need an awful lot of kit to um, create beautiful images. You need to be able to read the light, you need some imagination and it's incredible what you can achieve. And obviously the workshop before that was the studio workshop, but this one was all about available light. Uh, on that note, uh, we have one, there's one with some spaces on, which is in October. So I'm pushing, there's, there's all sorts of stuff going on, but the one I have spaces for uh, is uh, the mastering the business of portrait photography because yes if you want to do this professionally you have to make money at it and that's actually what this podcast is about uh, but i'll get onto that later but here the workshop it's on the let me scroll down where am i uh, it's on the 17th of october it's 295 pounds and more or less it's how to approach the idea of business versus creative creativity or more importantly the business of creativity how to attract clients how to prepare the client for the shoot and then obviously how to prepare them for the sales process uh stepping through the shoot how to close the shoot and prepare for the reel how to prepare for in-person sales the psychology the reality of that how to run a reveal get high value sales how to retain your clients and how to keep them coming back year after year now i know that was a bit of a brain dump but if you stick paul wilkinson photography workshops into a search engine you'll land on our page go and have a look if you fancy it 295 pound the whole day there is a discount 25 percent if you're uh, a member of one of the associations or even if you're just one of our mastering portrait photography subscribers uh, just email in and we'll give you the discount codes for those like i said stick paul wilkinson photography workshops into a search engine and you will find us okay before we get on to the topic the actual topic of this uh, particular episode of the podcast it's a real privilege but uh, i don't know if you remember last year during lockdown actually quite a lot of it panasonic asked me to talk about their Eneloop uh, batteries chargers and batteries eco-friendly they hold the charge a long time they come pre-charged they charge them with solar power now they didn't really have to ask me very hard to do that because we already believe in using rechargeable batteries in the studio in fact right now in this recorder are the Eneloop Pro batteries <laughs> that I got. Uh, I got. They gave me one set and I bought a second set because they were so good um, uh, in this recorder. They're great because they hold their charge. Uh, so all the, you know, the ones I had last year held their charge really, really well. Uh, well, lo and behold, they thought that that campaign went so well that they have asked me to be an ambassador for them once again. They've revised the design. Uh, they've come up with a whole series of changes. And once again, I'm talking about rechargeable batteries. Now, things have changed in the photographic industry to a degree. A lot of the kit now has proprietary, proprietary batteries that are either USB charged or you get a docking station. I have to say now, we have three shelves in our studio uh, and I stuck down Velcro, the big coarse Velcro. And I have probably about 24 different chargers all velcroed down with different proprietary batteries in there. Batteries for some of the big flash heads, batteries for some of the cameras. There are batteries for, oh, you name it, there's batteries for it. But I still have plenty of kit that uses AAs or AAA batteries, in particular speed lights and in particular the um, triggers that we use in the studio. So I still have a pretty big reliance on AA batteries, and I think most photographers do. I've always got packs of batteries kicking around, uh, and, but wherever possible, we have moved completely over to using rechargeables. 
Um, it breaks my heart when I can't or when I'm having to, if I'm out in a pinch and I've had to go into WH Smith and buy some AAs because I've just managed to plan badly. Uh, but I always, we always use rechargeables wherever we can. So it's a real, it's a real luxury when somebody writes to you and say, listen, can you talk about something you already really believe in um, and give uh, a particular brand a plug? Well, of course, Panasonic did that. So it's a Panasonic Eneloop batteries um, and they are absolutely fantastic. So uh, they've changed things a bit. Um, first things that arrived, the first thing that occurred to me, this this thing arrived a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they ch- they've sent me a charger, a Smart Plus charger. There's a whole range of different chargers. This one is the Smart Plus. Uh, beautiful packaging. And I have to say, <laughs> it made me smile. So I get really aggy when I buy something like organic tomatoes or something like that, organic cucumber. And you look at the packaging and it says, does not recycle. How, how in this day and age, how am I still able to buy almost anything? You shouldn't be able to buy anything that you can't recycle the packaging on. In particular, things like organic fruit and veg. Surely, surely the whole point of going organic is that the packaging is also something that we can reuse, recycle, decompose, whatever it is. But no. However, Something that is really techy and sciencey and engineeringy as a battery charger, well, I'd expect that to come in packaging. I cannot re- cannot recycle, but no. The whole point of Eneloop and this brand is it's as eco-friendly as you can get it. The batteries come pre-charged and they're charged using solar power. Uh, they can be charged. The, the 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 regular batteries can be charged thousands of times. Um, I kid you not, up to two thousand one hundred charges. But most importantly. Listen, I don't know if you can hear that. The packaging is cardboard. The whole thing is recycled board. It, and actually, it looks brilliant. I don't know. I don't get why we have to have, for instance, bubble packaging, where you have to get heavy grade scissors to cut the damn gadget out of it. Um, I'm always like, I get caught out, so I'll get some stuff I need, head out to a gig, and then get there and realize, I haven't got any scissors or a sharp blade to take it apart. Well, I have to say, Panasonic, thank you. Uh, this packaging is brilliant all recycled board, easy to open, but clearly it had all the security tags and things on it, so it's not it's tamper-proof, uh, but it was absolutely uh, brilliant. Uh, they've revised the design of this thing, and so I think when I spoke last year, although the, the battery charger that they gave me last year was brilliant, it was very um, boxy. It was just a very basic box. It was nice, uh, but nothing particularly uh, fancy about it. Well, I'm guessing that the approach for Panasonic has been so successful that they've redesigned it. They've brought in a design team and redesigned it. This this charger looks absolutely brilliant. It's it's white. It's curved. Uh, it's about the size of eight AA batteries. It comes preloaded with four, and they've already got their charge. And another thing I love about this stuff, uh, <laughs> I said this last year, I'm saying it again this year, uh, the Eneloop batteries have an incredibly long retention life. So these Eneloop standard batteries that come in this particular charger, after 10 years... I don't, I don't know what I'll be doing in 10 years, but if I'm still doing this in 10 years, 70% of their charge will still be in them. So there you go. Uh, very useful if, like me, uh, you forget to charge everything up or, or put everything through a second charge cycle uh, before going out on a gig. So I always remember to recharge the batteries that I've used, but I never necessarily remember to charge the batteries, the spare rechargeable batteries I've got in packs just in case. Well, these things, they keep their charge. And if I just plug this thing in, uh, let me just plug this in. I don't think you can hear this it gives a green indicator light across all the channels and then it glows up uh, and it gives different colors 
to tell you uh, how much charge is so far in each battery. Now, I'm not colorblind, so I cannot tell you whether that's a good thing or a, not, or a bad thing. Uh, but it's red, amber, and green. Red is it uh, is at low charge. Amber, uh, which they're shown at the moment, is they're about between 70 and 80%. Um, and then green is they are at 100%. So the clear, they've arrived pre-charged. Uh, again, pre-charged using solar power, so eco-friendly. Um, the thing, it'll just sit there in the corner and do its thing. It'll actually charge a battery in about an hour and a half from flat. And it'll also charge in singles, which is really useful for me because we have a few bits and pieces around the studio that um, have either one battery or three batteries. So it's, it's a useful thing is to have uh, that. Uh, the Eneloop Pros, so these are Eneloop standard batteries. They're about 2,000 milliamps, and the Eneloop Pro is, I think, 2,500 milliamps, he says, just <laughs> grabbing the box and having a read. What does it say on the side of here? Let's have a look. It says it says 2,500 milliamp hours, and you can charge them 500 times. Now, I don't know how many times I've recharged the first set I bought last year, but it can't be 500 I mean, I don't charge them every day. And if I did charge them every day, that would still only be 350 or 360 times. Uh, so uh, I think these will last me probably, well, they'll probably last me 10 years. I don't think I need to buy any more batteries, but they're absolutely brilliant. Uh, they're everything I need because they just, A, they have a good capacity. B, the charger will charge them quickly. C, they arrive pre-charged, which is brilliant because, you know, it's like you buy batteries and you want them to just work. Uh, D, lot of charge cycles, 500 uh, or 2,000 times, 2,100 times uh, for the standard ones. Um, I, there's another feature, actually, that I do like, but I don't know yet how that's going to manifest. I will let you know when I've run these batteries for a period of time in the recorder is they hold their voltage right to the end. Uh, what does that mean? Well, basically, a battery discharges and very gradually its actual voltage drops. So they start at 1.5 volts, or nominally 1.5 volts, and gradually that charge diminishes. That's okay, except for the fact that um, gadgetry starts to show that they're going flat, and you don't necessarily want that. Um, these hold their voltage uh, right up until the end. Uh, now, what that means in terms of traditional power meters and things i don't yet know but i'm guessing it's a really good thing and it just means you get that little bit more life out of the batteries they don't sort of fade uh they keep going right to the end and then the very last second they drop off which is probably more important for things uh like my rotolite uh my little rotolite whichever one that is then is it the neo that takes aa batteries it probably means i'll be able to keep the brightness of those leds absolutely flat until the very end and then they'll go off very quickly. Uh, I'll let you know because I haven't had these long enough to do anything with them. Uh, but they changed the designs of everything. Brilliant packaging, brilliant batteries. Um, I will be running uh, a competition for you to win some of this stuff. Uh, I would have done it in this podcast. It's just I've been so busy. I haven't had a chance to figure out how to do it. Uh, but there we go. I'm doing my bit for the environment. Frankly, oh, look. I was just looking at my charger. One of the batteries has just gone green. Two of them have just gone green. Three of them have just gone green. Is that fourth one going to go? No, not yet. It's, it's hanging on. One battery is hanging on. <laughs> it's quite fascinating. Uh, yeah. I've just got it out of his box, plugged it in. So the batteries came pre-charged. One of them clearly came pre-charged just ever so slightly less. Uh, but three out of the four are already fully charged in the time it's taken for me to have <laughs> to give that plug. Uh, so obviously um, Panasonic are paying me to say all these things. 
But as someone who uses a lot of batteries, uses a lot of rechargeable batteries, uh, it was something when they asked me if I do it, I jumped at it because it means I get to talk about something that I was already doing. I already have Panasonic batteries in the back of this recorder, and I'm very happy uh, that I'll be continuing to do so. Anyway, uh, on to the topic of this particular podcast. Um, uh, <laughs> the thing we're doing a plug, right, when you're asked to do something like that is... One of the things I really hate is when everyone, when you hear a podcast and you have to go through the sales pitch, you know, use such and such rental cars. They're the best in the market. Use hair products from so-and-so, so-and-so that's made from coffee. It's the best selling in the world. I hope what we are doing here is a, is in spite of the fact that obviously I'm promoting a product, but it's actually something I use. Um, now, if Nikon obviously would just... Uh, tell me to promote Nikon cameras. That'd be great too, because uh, I genuinely use them. Oh, by the way, if you do get a chance, please pick up Professional Photography Magazine and N Photo Magazine. Still writing features for all of those. Absolutely loving it. Right, on to this podcast topic. And the topic is very simple. And it's it's aimed, this one's aimed, oh, the fourth battery's just gone green. There you go, as an aside. Uh, this topic is very simple, but it's aimed at people who make money from portrait photography, in particular portrait photography. And that is that you don't just create the images in the shoot, you create the sale itself. And what do I mean that by? Well, think of sales, think of the sale as happening, well, sorry, let me rephrase that. We think of the sale as happening in the sale room, right? We take a load of pictures, and I'm talking about in-person sales, but I suppose we can think of the same thing. We think of the sale as happening online. If you do it remotely over a website, we don't. We do everything in person. Uh, but you think of the sale as happening in the sales room. But that's not really the truth. The sales room is where they're going to hand over their credit card. But that isn't the sale. That's the close. The sale, the sale, the process of convincing your client that they're going to buy something happens a long way before that. Part of it happens when they see your website. Part of that happens when somebody recommends you. Part of it happens as they walk in the door. Now, we don't do a pre-consult with our clients. I know there's a lot of methodology around that, and there's lots of photographers promoting that particular way of working, and that's great. That works for those guys. For me, that doesn't work quite so well um, for a million reasons. It's just not my bag ringing somebody up and going through a whole lengthy pre-sales process uh, because that also takes time. One of the things people forget when they're talking about any aspect of a business is that you have the most fundamental, the most fundamental measure you can have in a business that's based around people and money is your profit or your margin per minute. So for every minute, one or more of you is working on the business, what's your margin? So if I spend lots of time pre-ringing people, let's let's say I do a shoot in an hour, but I do a pre-call for an hour. Well, I've just added an hour to my spent time. Um, so let's say let's let's make it really simple, right? A one-hour shoot, one-hour reveal, and if I have to, a one-hour pre-consult. I've now got three hours in my time that I have to make money from. So we don't do the pre-consult, but I'm very good at doing the consulting during the shoot. So that's now two hours. So I'm two thirds more efficient than me for me to do all of the pre-consult and ringing around the client. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm really not saying that approach doesn't work. I'm saying that for me, it's not my preferred approach. 
I really love, and I've talked about this before, I really love the adrenaline rush of when a door opens. I'm terrified, of course. Don't know what the client's going to be like. Not yet certain what it is they want. And we've done a, we have done a basic set of phone calls and emails to make sure they've turned up in good clothing, they've turned up on time, they know what to expect. An educated client is really, really important. But at least from my point of view, not done too much more than that. As they walk in, then it starts. I get to know them. We have tea and coffee. We'll have a chat. We'll take our time. And during the shoot, my job is to understand them as we work. But that's a really natural process for me because as I'm shooting, as I'm shooting, I'm finding out about them and I'm interested in them. I was working at Oxford University yesterday on a commercial gig. But actually, most of the lecturers, most of the professors and scientists really didn't like being photographed. They didn't want to be photographed. And so my job in about 60 seconds is to get them to relax, get them to talk, get them to smile, and then we're going to take some pictures. And then to hold their attention for however long, you know, if it's a, if it's one person, 20 minutes, if it's five people, maybe half an hour or 40 minutes. And so genuinely interested in them and their work and what they're doing, which is actually a bit of a challenge when you're in a world famous research science unit. Um, I mean, I have a PhD, but not in any of these fields. And so it's a, sometimes it's you really have to work to keep up with them. But when you're photographing a family and they're in our studio, an awful lot of it is about making it an experience. As I'm working, making it fun, making it memories. Um, at the same time, I might be giving them ideas, you know, I'll, I'll show them, maybe I'll show them back of the camera. It's not something I like to do. I like to keep it all a little bit under wraps until the um, uh, the actual reveal. But I might show them back. I said, you know what? I think that'll make a brilliant wall art, big one. And I'll, I stretch my arms out. You can't see me, but I've got my arms stretched out in the in my shed. <laughs> I've got my arms stretched, and I think that would look good, huge, huge on the wall. Or maybe one of the kids will run towards the camera, and I'll set. I mean, obviously my Z9 Nikon. If you're listening, happy to promote your product. Uh, the Nikon Z9, 20 frames a second. Brrr, as she runs towards me, and then I'll show them two or three of those pictures and say that would make a brilliant set of three separate pictures, or maybe a triptych. All the time, I'm just giving them ideas. I'm just floating, gentle ideas, seeing what they think. I'll ask them what the house is like. I'll ask them what kind of thing they're after. Have they had a shoot recently? We'll probably know that information up front. Some of these clients, or a lot of these clients, actually are repeat clients. So they're already educated clients. They're great because they know what we do. But I'm understanding them. I'm giving them confidence. I'm making the memories that they want to recall, or I hope they want to recall, every time they look at those pictures. Because for portraiture, when it's family, social portraiture, what they're buying at the end of it is as much a memory as it is a piece of art. Of course, as a photographer, <laughs> as a photographer, I want it to be about the art. I want you to love my work. Oh, just look at the, the lines, the colours, the composition. Oh, look, look, look. Of course we do, because we're all a little bit like that as photographers. But the reality is, Memories, experience, that is what they're buying when it's a picture of their family. Now, when I enter some of these images into competitions, I can switch back into the, oh my goodness, look at the tonality. I've captured every moment. It's just wonderful. I, I love every strand of hair is razor sharp. Uh, you could do all of that stuff. Of course you can. But when I'm trying to set up the sale, it's about the experience. I'm putting ideas into their head. At the end of the shoot, 
the end of the shoot. Everything's packed away. They've taken their changes of clothes. They've scooped up the children and got them calm again after I found, the up, wound them up. Um, is I'll give them a price. It's a very simple one side. It's an A5 piece of card. I think it's probably 14 point. It's not even small size. We don't have many products on there. I can make anything. We have these incredible suppliers. I work with uh, Kaleidoscope for our frames here in the UK. And of course, I'm a Graphy Studio ambassador. So we have a wealth of Graphy Studio products around the place. I can make anything. But I choose on the prices to keep it really simple. If somebody wants something specific, they will ask or we will just let them know that it's possible. I had one client after they'd finished buying frames for their house in London, they bought uh, an album as well. They also then had me get in touch or they had their, sorry, their interior designer for one of their houses in Spain ring me and we collaborated to work out where some big pictures would go on the walls for the refit of this house they were having done in Spain. So there are ways and means of doing these things, but we keep the prices really simple. I give it to the client. I make sure they've got it. Uh, we have also have a little magazine that we get uh, manufactured that has ideas in it of things they could do. So even after they go, because you know what it's like, people will drive away and they go, what was he talking about that frame? Or what was he talking about that album? Or what was he talking about that portfolio box? Well, these are featured in our magazine. So they have a reference to go away with. But I'll talk them through the stuff in the studio. I'll tell them how the pricing works. I'll tell them uh, how uh, the sizes are measured. And I'll tell them what happens when they're coming back to see their pictures. And I've set the stage. They're now educated. They know how we work. They've had a chance to have some ideas. Um, they are excited. They leave energized, confident, and full of memories. And they have the prices in my in their hand and they know that they need to choose and measure their walls before they come back so that we can get everything done in the next session. Then during the reveal, we use a slideshow, Michelle or Sarah, who's actually doing uh, the sales process or doing the reveal. They already know that I've briefed the client. If I get any objections raised by the client or anything they say, oh, I love the idea of a big acrylic on the wall, they'll say, well, that's written into the notes so that when Michelle or Sarah's looking after the sale, they've got a starting point. Occasionally, very occasionally, if the children, let's say, are exhausted and crying, the client will simply say, look, I've just got to go. I will give them the price list and I'll put in the notes no time to give them a proper overview. And Michelle will then follow up by an email or a phone call just to make sure the client's all right and they know what's coming next. Because if they don't know what's coming and they don't know the prices, being in the reveal room is really tricky or it can be. You know that feeling when the client has loved everything? You've done the slideshow. You've done the picking out. You've got everything written down. But you're actually terrified that when they find out how much that's going to cost, they're going to de-scope it all and say, oh, do you know what? I'll just have a 12-inch. If you've educated your client properly, if you've given them the price list and made sure they know what they're doing, if you've given them memories during the shoot, if you've done everything, the chances of that happening are pretty much zero. The client knows the prices. All you're doing is making it happen. The shoot, in the shoot, I pitch the ball in the air. In the reveal, in the sales room, the guys can knock it out of the park. It's a two-handed approach. We set the set the sale up in advance 
and then it's down to the guys in the reveal room to close it. The shoot itself is the true beginning of the actual sales process. I'm educating the client, I'm exciting the client, I'm motivating the client, and I'm making sure they leave with a price list and the intention to come back and buy. And one little footnote to this. This is a thing, and I made, I made a whole podcast on this on its own, is remember that when if you can get a client into a I'm going to buy something mode, Imagine, imagine, imagine it's you going out to get something. You're not certain. It's a lot of money. Maybe it's a, I don't know, a jacket, a pair of trainers. Maybe it's a new camera lens. Maybe it's, I don't know, an iMac. I have no idea. But you get yourself into a mindset. Do you know what? Now's the time. Now is the time. Whatever it is you're going to buy, now's the time. And you go out and then you come back without it. And recognizing that feeling, you feel disappointed You've invested time and energy and, I guess, a degree of excitement in going to get whatever it is you're going to get. And then you come back without it. You feel disappointed. Remember, your clients think that too. If they go to reveal and don't buy anything, they're going to go away feeling disappointed. They want to buy something. You want to sell something. What's the barrier? Well, there's no real barrier unless you haven't educated the client. So during the shoot, during the process, we make sure the client is excited and motivated. They want to buy something. They know how to buy something. We've done all of the work in advance. And it works. Happy clients, beautiful images, and in this instance, consistently high-value sales. And I absolutely love it. There you go. Back of my box. <laughs> I'm still quite impressed with the four Panasonic Eneloop batteries sitting in the charger where they've all just gone green, all one at a time. Dunk, dunk, dunk. And then a pause. Dunk. I really like that. Something quite, I don't know why. I'm just, I, I've no idea why. It was just quite good fun. Uh, thank you. Thank you for listening, not just to this episode, but to all the other episodes that I know you guys listen to. Uh, I'm stood here with a pair of headphones in. I'm, my shed's really, really cool. It's a workshop more than a shed. I shouldn't call it a shed. Um, but thank you for listening uh, to the end of this particular podcast. Please do hit that subscribe button wherever it is that you consume your podcasts, uh, whether it's on iTunes, Google, Amazon, uh, wherever, please do hit the subscribe button. And then miraculously, uh, my voice will drop into your earphones. Oh, I'll tell you what, <laughs> he says on the side, I had to do a gig in Ibiza, which is always good fun. I'll tell you about that some other time. Uh, a couple of days working in this incredible property where I was going to spend an awful lot of the time on my own, walking around, taking pictures on behalf of my client. Uh, well, at the airport, I suddenly realized that I was going to spend a lot of time on my own. So I bought myself a pair of uh, wireless headphones. Uh, I went for the Sony ones. Uh, the I don't know what they are. My eyesight isn't that good. Uh, XM something or other zero fours. Um, life changer. Love these things. Plug them in, stick your iPhone on. What? I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be getting so excited about gadgets. But anyway, where was I? Uh, yeah, it was about listening to podcasts. <laughs> I have it in my ears uh, as I wandered around at this place in Ibiza. Uh, so thank you. Please do subscribe. If you have any questions at all, please do email me. It's paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. That's paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. If you particularly enjoy the podcast, please do go and leave us a review uh, and, uh, and or um, a five-star rating. <laughs> Why would I ask for anything less? 
five stars. I'm worth five stars. Please go give five stars. That'd be great. Thank you ever so much. Um, give us a rating because it really does help drive people to the podcast. And I know I haven't done one for a while, but hopefully now we are deliberately slowing the core part of our business down for a while. I'll get a chance to do all of the things that I so, so love to do. Uh, and on that happy note, as uh, what time is it now? What, one o'clock in the morning? Something like that. No, it's 10 past 12. It's 10 past 12. So thank you for listening all the way down to the end of this podcast. Um, it is greatly appreciated, and not just to this podcast, but to every podcast that I know so many of you listen to. It really is appreciated. We can see it in the stats. I know that so many of you are out there, and I still think that's just wondrous. Uh, but thank you, thank you, thank you. And remember, whatever else, until next time, be kind to yourself. Take care, guys. 